The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hey, gang, how's it going? Kevin Goatee, gutting the sacred cow. What's going on? Wow, do we have an episode for you as we have journalist Lauren Savan coming to take down and how timely, coming to America as we record this. Coming to America 2 has just come out, and we thought it would be perfect timing to have Lauren give her reasons why coming to America stinks. Make sure you check out our website, guttingthesacredcow.com. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review on all podcast platforms that you're on. Thank you so much. And without any further ado, Lauren Savon, dethroning coming to America. Gather around is what I know. It is a blazer out there. You're lucky you got air conditioning in here like Mother Nature intended. Kevin Goatee, <laughs> what movie is that from? I don't know if I've seen this. Oh, you've definitely seen this movie. The blazer out there, Mother, the edition of Mother Nature. In fact, I think you might have lived this movie. Lived it? Yeah. Lived it. Well, it's not Karate Kid. <laughs> it's not Animal House. All right, I'm going to put you out of your misery. Vegas vacation. I, fuck you, all right? Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. It's not so much fun, is it? No, because no one quotes from Vegas vacation. Oh, come on. You've picked some obscure quotes. I have, I will get all my friends on the phone who said, those films, well, at least I pick from films that you'll know. Vegas vacation, no one knows. Vegas vacation is a pretty popular movie. Lawrence Savon, hi. How are you? Hi, guys. Great to be here. Lauren Savon, is Vegas Vacation all that popular? I haven't even seen it. There you go. Rest. Have you we seen? All know, we all know the movie. We all know it's out there. How many scenes can you quote from that film, Kevin Israel? None. I had to find this quote. Aha. 
You should have given me one from the original three. It would have been more gentlemanly. Who gives a shit? Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel, we here. We're here with Lauren Savon and back from Gutting the Sacred Cow. How's it going, folks? Hope you're enjoying this last crop of films. Pretty in pink. You think people are getting pissed about that one, people Kevin? People are not happy about that. If you're a white woman in your 30s to 50s, your fucking tits are on fire right now. <laughs> not happy. We've got Get Out in the Chamber. You, this might have come out by then. Die Hard. Oh, and what's the other one we did that I'm, I'm forgetting? Oh, Footloose. Footloose is in the uh, in the queue. Oh, that's in the oh. Wow, that's right. Yeah, the vote is out there now. But listen, go to guttingthesacredcow.com every day for blog articles, all that good stuff. GTSC podcast. But more importantly, if you have not yet done so, a five-star rating, a two- or three-sentence review on the podcast platform of your choice. Lauren Savan has chosen a timely film. Why do I say timely? Because the sequel is coming out as we tape this. This coming Friday on Amazon Prime, she has chosen Coming to America. It feels like we almost set this up. When she chose that, I said, fucking brilliant. It was serendipitous. It was serendipitous. It was. And thank you for that. Yes, I try. Because we're gonna we're gonna fall right into the algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Not to be confused with serendipity, where they leave a, or a message on a dollar bill that gets circulated. Oh about. God, that terrible movie! <laughs> never, never saw it. I'm My wife just had it on, and I thought it was uh, horrible. Gross Point Blank. Because mm. John Cusack. Yeah, because I saw him, and I was like, "That's the only movie I could think of that he was in at that age." And she's like, "It's no, it's serendipity." No, it's serendipity. I've never seen it, I don't want to. Him as an ice skater is so set wow. fire to my loins. Meow. She's got a pool right behind her, guys. Jump in the pool, Lauren. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry I'm showing off, but yeah. this is the best light in the house. <laughs> as it drops down to six degrees in New Jersey. I know. I'm sorry. It'll be 50 on Wednesday, so there, huh? Coming to America, 1988, $28 million budget. A haul of $288 million worldwide in 1988. Wow. Translate that to $2021. I have Lauren Savan. $63.8 million in 2021 budget, a gross of $656.5 million. Dollars. That's Marvel money right there. Wow. wow. That's more like Ant-Man 2 money. Well, that's still- <laughs> Take it. It's bad Marvel money. Yeah, yeah. It's Thor Dark World. <laughs> Oof. IMDb is a scale one to ten with decimal points. Lauren, what do you think Coming to America scored on the old IMDb? Or uh, what is the rating system like? One, they- one through ten. Ten being okay. the best with decimal points. On IMDb. Yes. Uh, eight. Kevin Israel. Eight six seven flat. Wow. Oh, wow! Surprised myself as well. Critic score is a one through one hundred percent on the old Rotten Tomatoes. Kevin Israel coming to America. Hit me between the eyes, or hit me with your best shot. I feel I will not sing it. I feel like the critics probably were just assholes with this one. So I'm going to say a six four. So sixty four. Sixty four. Sorry. Yeah. Lauren, a guess from you, please. Oh, uh, critics. I'm going to say 
69, dudes. Uh, hey. Split the, Split the middle. We're not far off. No. no. We're but not. How about an, now, Lauren, how about your turn for an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes? Same scale. Uh, I'm going to say 90. Kevin Israel. I'm going to be a little less optimistic and go 84. Kevin Israel is now the proud owner of two showcases. Yes. 85. Uh, wow. so close. One, you are the king of one away or nailing these dead nuts on. You must be studying in your spare time. Story of my life. Yes. Before we get to our quotes, I'd like Lauren, hey, where do you up? What are you up to? And where can the good folks at home find you? Uh, I don't want anyone to find me. Uh, <laughs> I'm in a secret location. Um, I, um, I, I do a bunch of different stuff. I don't know. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. It's just easier that way. I'll keep you updated on where I am and where you can find me. Um, cause everything is weird now. We're all in digital, like fifth dimension stuff. So it's not like a channel at this time or a, a movie. It's like, uh, Little bits and pieces everywhere. <laughs> Lauren Savan, promotion machine guru herself. I mean, it's one of my, I'm terrible at self-promotion. <laughs> Bill will tell you, our mutual friend, I cannot do it to save my life. I, I should hire someone for this type of work. Lauren, thank refer- you. You're welcome. Thank you. Lauren was referring to our off guest and oh for gutter. Bill Schultz from the morning show, one of our very good friends. That's right. Oh for gutter. I love it. You like that? But our yeah. near and dear friends. Quotes. The royal, ple- the royal penis is clean, your highness, obvious. Okay. Good morning, my neighbors. Fuck you, asshole. Yes, <laughs> fuck you, asshole. Fuck you, fuck you, too. Thank you. In the face. In that basketball game. And wipers. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that one. Enjoyed it. Kevin That's Israel. A good one. Kevin Israel. What quotes jumped out at you? Well, since I knew you were going to take all the good ones, I, had to, <laughs> I knew I had to dig a little more obsessive. Obscure. I'm glad you did. I tied my shoes once. It is an overrated experience. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That was one of my faves, actually. And this one, I'm really surprised you didn't uh, you didn't get this one, Kev. Okay, Mortimer, we're back. <laughs> I left that one specifically for you. I swear to God. Thank you. Thank I you did. for leaving the scraps. Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts for you right now. It's time for five fun more facts. Five fun facts for you right now. Uh, I want to let you guess on this one, but now what the fuck? Paula Abdul choreographed the opening dance scene in the Zamunda Palace. Zamunda Palace. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Landis found out at the Laker game when she was a cheerleader said, this, can you do something like this? And she said, uh, sure, but not knowing how to really choreograph. She took the job anyway. Oh, amazing. That's, right? That's the story of being a stand-up comic. Yes. Can you do this? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Figure it out. Of course I can. <laughs> can you do two hours? You bet your fucking ass I can. Um, yes, I can. In Japanese? Sure. Can I yeah. do... Uh, can, does that count for 30 minutes and an hour and a half of crowd work? <laughs> done and done. Number two, John Landis and Eddie Murphy clashed on set because Landis felt Murphy was rude to everyone and felt Eddie wanted everyone to kiss his ass. Hmm. I mean, I could probably guess that. McDowell's was a Wendy's on Queens Boulevard that has now been demolished, but the film was shot, the majority of the film was shot in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Oh. Huh. 
Michael Jackson and Prince almost had cameos in this film, but could not make it due to scheduling conflicts. Michael Jackson. That's correct. Not Tito, Michael. Yeah, no, I, I'm, that's interesting. Well, this was, this, I mean, this was when... He would have been one of two white people. <laughs> Louis Anderson being still, the second one. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, was still, Mike was still a shade of brown back then. That's true. He was, he was black back then. Yeah, right after Smooth Criminal went double platinum or whatever, that's when the... Uh, the freaky stuff started going. And the touching and the finger popping and the video games <laughs> and the... Right. Docs finger popping. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking about the tunes either. Wink. <laughs> nope. We know. We read you loud and clear. <laughs> Ten four, Goose. Over and out. <laughs> Number five. Mm. I'll let you guys venture a guess because I like doing this during every segment of the five fun facts. Do you want to take a guess who had almost got the role of King Jaffe and almost got the role of Lisa? I'll give you a hint for both of them. King Jaffe, elder, obviously an older black actor, very esteemed. Very esteemed. And the role of Lisa, an absolute knockout in that. Still a knockout, but uh, then more so a knockout. Everyone I'm thinking isn't time appropriate because I was going to say Morgan Freeman for. King I was going to say Morgan Freeman. But I feel like he wasn't around in the 80s. Wrong. He did lean on me in 1988. Yeah, he's a same year. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Huh. How about a guess? guess? Yep. That's uh, exactly. Okay. Hot, Halle Berry. I was going to say Halle Berry, too, but I think she was very young at that point. Yeah, she would have been. Well, I think Last Boy Scout was her first film. If not that, then it was Boomerang. But those, those right. two are neck and neck. And I think it was oh, Last Boy Scout, so it's not Halle Berry. The answer is Sidney Poitier. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And Ooh. Vanessa Williams for the role. Oh, of I should have guessed Vanessa yeah. Williams. Yeah. Big. Stumped you both. But those are two hard ones, so I'm not going to take that much pleasure. But listen, enough horse shit. It's now time for Lauren Savon to see what her friend, our friend, can't do. And that is, Kevin Israel, got Got the sacred sacred cow. Gather round, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. You guys really need to work on that. It's a delay. I know. I mean, you you say it on every episode. You should probably sync it up. It's more fun this way. <laughs> okay. It's raw. If you think that's unprofessional, wait till you hear our music, <laughs> the musical segues for each of our segments, <laughs> where I sing and it's fucking awful. But oh, oh wow, so that's you pleasure. singing. Okay. <laughs> um, well, let me first off say, obviously, like many, Coming to America is one of my favorite movies. I mean, I grew up and as a kid. Watching that movie was so titillating and like so much, so much cursing and so much sexual innuendo. And so it was so thrilling to see. And of course we like memorized all the lines and, and I, I don't think I've seen it recently. So in my mind's eye, it's still one of the greatest movies of all time. But with the, um, sequel coming out, I recently saw it on Amazon prime and I'm watching it and I was like, oh, this movie is, it's good, but 
I mean, putting it against today's standards, maybe it just my ADHD is so bad now because of social media. I was like, this is too long. First of all, it needs to be edited down. Like you could chop 40 minutes out of that thing. Easy. The jokes go on too long. They're a bit clunky. Um, you know, Eddie Murphy's great, but like back then to me, he was so edgy and raw. And when I think of, when I see him now, I'm like, oh, he's actually really like watered down Eddie Murphy, you know, like coming off of Eddie Murphy raw or like even Beverly Hills cop. It's like homogenized Eddie Murphy. Um, so as an adult, I just watched this film and I'm like, oh, there's so many things that could have been better in it. Um, the, the, the technical ineptitude. I mean, I can't even count how many scenes there was no continuity. It's like when they were going up the stairs, um, the landlord showing them their new shitty apartment in Queens. And he's like, I only got one apartment and it has one window facing a brick wall. And then they walk into the apartment and Eddie literally goes out into the fire escape because it is not facing a wall. And he's like screaming. And then there's like four other windows, like Arsenio Hall screams to him from another one. I'm like, what, like who wrote this and didn't match it up with what they shot. And I mean, there's like a million other examples of that. Like when, uh, they get to this subway platform and they've both been like running in the rain and they're drenched. Then all of a sudden they're like miraculously dry <laughs> like immediately during the cutaway. Right. Stuff like that where I'm like, Landis, is he just a really shitty director? Was he stoned when he made this? Like, you know, I'm wondering like who dropped the ball kind of on the technical side because there's just so many weird editing fuck ups. Um, the I, other not, thing, I, I, I missed that. That's a hell of a point you just made. Yeah, that was a good. There's note. a lot. There's a lot. I mean, I'm with the brick wall, the especially that that's bonkers. So the brick wall. Okay, here's not an editing snafu. This is more a storyline snafu. Like the whole point of this movie, right? Is this tale as old as time? You know, this prince who's who's the sole heir to this throne in Africa. He has everything done for him. His butt wiped. You know, the hot women giving him blowjobs every morning in the bath. Like, he wants for nothing. So he wants to go to America to really live life. And he wants to find a woman who's strong, who he can respect for her intellect. And he says this over and over again to his parents and to his friend. And, like, literally at the ceremony where they're introducing him to his um, bride that's been chosen for him. Right. During the ceremony, there's this, like, heavy set black woman that comes out first and Eddie Murphy like shudders like, Oh no, is this the bride that my family has picked for me? But she's only there really to like announce the hot girl behind her that's coming up. But I'm like, Oh, you just want this strong willed, intelligent woman, but God forbid she's overweight. That's a step too far for you. And you quiver at the idea that she might be your bride. Um, so that was like hard to, you know, swallow that he's really into it just for the, uh, for what's inside, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then um, the the whole love romance of it, it's, it's really weak. I felt like they had no chemistry. Um, you know, Eddie Murphy trying to like win this girl over with a fake accent was forced to me and I, I didn't really see it. Not to mention, let's get into her for a minute. He's looking for a like strong-willed, intelligent woman who, you know, he can respect. The woman he finds in Queens, like, lives with her parents, is dating a douchebag. Obviously, she has terrible taste. And the one scene where we see her, like, working, where she's, like, 
going over all her dad's receipts from the restaurant seems so intellectually taxing for her. She can barely handle it. I'm like, was this the diamond in the rough that he found in Queens? Like, she doesn't have much to offer. Um, she's boring and seems a bit dumb. The other thing is <laughs> this scene where he supposedly falls for her. It's like at a black awareness rally. And he, um, you know, he's there and she comes out to give a speech about a park she's trying to raise money for. And it's world's worst speech. She's literally like, we all love Lincoln Park and we need to like, you know, dig deep into your pockets and give money so that we can, you know, whatever, refurbish the park. I mean, it's, it's so benign and so nothing. And people like get up and applaud and they're giving her a standing ovation. Like she's the, she's the MLK of fucking Queens, like giving this speech about raising money for a park. He's like, that's her. She's so brilliant. And if you hear what she actually said, it's nothing. It's like nonsense. Um, so the whole love angle of it bothered me. The best part of the movie, I will say, is like him and Arsenio going back and forth. Um, I mean, those bits were really funny. You could tell they have like a true chemistry. They're both obviously comedians. Um, you know, them playing all the other characters in the barber shop. I mean, the Jew was probably one of my favorite uh, characters in it. Yeah. But every all the other jokes just seemed overly clunky. Why do you me. assume he's Jewish? <laughs> I was gonna guess Palestinian, but I could be wrong. You know what? I have to say, when all like when all of the controversy over wearing blackface came out, where it's like, how dare you? When people were losing their jobs because they dressed up for Halloween and like, you know, twenty years ago, I was like, what about whiteface? Is that okay? Oh, I'm assuming it's that. it's like the N word, right? Like they can use it, we cannot. I just want to know the rules. Ask Nick Cannon. He did white face and face. He did white face. And I brought that up with him when I interviewed him once. Was he wearing his turban or not? He was not wearing his turban. Aha. Uh -huh, a sham. I think, I think I got to the, to the main points. I, the other thing I will say is like watching it again as an adult, it seemed very sitcom-y. Like the, the, the comedy and the humor was like very sitcom. -y. Like you're waiting for an applause from a studio audience. Like it's like joke and then like cut away to like a facial reaction. And then it's like, wah, wah, you know, like that kind of jokes where I'm like, these aren't great. You know, like I remember them being so crazy and um, edgy for the time. And now I'm watching it back and I'm like, oh, it's terrible. And it went on way too long. It's like so many cutaways to an ugly poodle. I was just you know. going to say that. Oh, it's in the <laughs> fucking notes. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. Listen, that's no, why you That's why you go first. That's why exactly why you go first. <laughs> um, yeah, what else did I hate about it? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think I covered all my basic points. Maybe if you remind me of something else that I hate, I'll jump on board. Um, but I think that... Uh, you know, as a whole, again, just way too long. Comedy was clunky. No, like, storyline had so many weird um, jumps and cuts that didn't make sense. Or editing, I should say. And I wasn't buying the, the romantic angle. I think this is where Eddie Murphy wanted to come out as, like, not a filthy comedian. But, like, I could be in rom-coms and I can be, like, the Romeo. And he can. I've seen it. Like, Boomerang was different. But this was just 
I, I don't know. I wasn't buying it that this woman stole his heart. Give me a number one to 10, Lauren. As a child, I would have said nine or 10. Now I'm going to give you a four. Wow. Five max. Somewhere, wow. if you listen very carefully, I can hear Bill Schultz snapping a pencil. Bill Schultz anger. just fell off his chair for no reason. And he doesn't know why. He's on his, he's one of his late night runs right now going, what? In the <laughs> middle of Central Park. crushed a beer can into his skull. <laughs> yeah, but is it, why, is it, is it, in the force. is it the top of the hour for him? Is that why? No. Mm, yeah. Walk. It's like a cuckoo clock. Hilarious. All right. Four out of 10 from Lauren. Kevin, you want me to go first or do you want to go first? This Please time? have at it. Oh boy. Oh boy. These notes brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com, where you can find hilarious blog articles every day, Monday through Friday. We don't take a day off, nope. except Saturday and Sunday, because, you know, the Lord is God rested. <laughs> Kevin Goatee and Kevin Israel do nothing but give you top-notch content, and why not go over to patreon.com and drop a few bucks in the, uh, the old collection plate for uh, the, uh, the folks out there. Why not, right? They need your money. Yeah. We had to pay for all this brand new equipment, right? Yeah. <laughs> Notes. I would not need women throwing rose petals at my feet as I walked out of bed. I would need women walking in front of me with those perky titties they had and lead me That's to the right. That would do just fine, ju- just as fine of a job. I even bet if Arsenio Hall was in the back with those perky titted women, he would have broken character and done a few woof, 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 woof for all time's sake. <laughs> Call back. Thank you. I would have preferred if the opening dance number in Zamunda was a break dance number, especially if they were break dancing to the tune of the Axel Foley Beverly Hills cop theme, just like Kevin Goatee did during his first grade talent show while wearing, while wearing a red bandana. Yes, uh, that prove happened. It. Prove it. <laughs> Thankfully, this was way before camera phones and camcorders because that would have been pretty <laughs> fucking awkward. I'm all about making your wife hop on one leg while barking like a dog a thing as women leave out the room. Can we make that happen, Kevin? Is that something we can chime Not in 2021 we can. Yeah. No. I don't think my wife would buy that either. Problem number one, why the fuck would a prince fly commercial airlines? Why would he not have a private jet? If the Saudis can escape on 9-11 on a private jet, Prince Akeem can fly in without any worries, Right. No cabbie jumps out and yells, you dumb fuck, and then lets that person in the cab. Into the cab, exactly. That that doesn't happen because that that guy just might get stabby stabbed. Am I right? Especially when they have seven tons of luggage. Yeah, yeah. I need to find the Soul Glow theme song and put it on my as my ringtone post haste. (laughs) It's a great song. That is the best. Yeah, it is a great song. (laughs) When they were and like the the grease marks, I loved when they said, "Oh it. yeah, on the couch when you got up." <laughs> yeah. When they were meeting the women at the bars, the "I'm into the group thing" woman, and then Arsenio Hall's huge, big smile on his face is such an underrated part of this film. I <laughs> legit, lol, yep. with that one. Legit. What are the chances that they ran into two sets of identical twins? Hmm. I don't know. Cat Does that ever director? happen to you? <laughs> Ever yeah, magical time. I they were magical. I dated. I mean, we didn't even have IVF then, so like, there's not as many twins in the '80s. <laughs> I dated one half while well, an identical twin, and my buddy dated the other half. That was fun. 
like one half as if I did it both. <laughs> the first IVF procedure was performed in 1978. Really? Thank you. Was it? Yeah. Okay. But it wasn't, you know, like the Upper no, West Side where everybody has twin strollers now. <laughs> Which you make You know what I mean. Oh, well, don't I know it? I work there. <laughs> what unsanitary and opioid abuser uses his hand to flip a hamburger on a fucking grill while it's cooking? Ah, <laughs> uh, it's a great point. And I, I was like, is, does he think he's at his own barbecue? <laughs> yeah. For someone who runs multiple fast food places, that just doesn't happen <laughs> unless you truly don't give a fuck. Unless you want the Board of Health all up in your business. Well, that unless you want to burn your fucking hand, how about that? Right. That too. His hand is dead for again from being an opioid abuser. That's why I threw that in there. It's now time, not five minutes ago. Now time to bring back the Garfields that you stick on windows and windshields. We missed that now in 2021. That's one thing from the 1980s I sorely miss. My knowledge on the inner workings of black barbershops is very limited, so I'll plead ignorance. But since I'm a very, I'm a wagering man, as we know, I'd wager an old Jew does not hang out in a black barbershop regularly, if at all. I would say you would be correct. Okay. As an old Jew myself. <laughs> I could see you playing checkers down on, on the uh, Spanish Harlem. That's right. Horn. Yeah. <laughs> what? Lauren touched on this a little bit, but I'm really going to drive a stake through this heart. Why the fuck would Eric LaSalle date the daughter of a fast food owner when he's the heir to a hair care company? Again. Right? Shouldn't he be balls deep in three Nick City's dancers and get courtside seats for free? (laughs) Instead of a number four extra large for free? Yeah, there's no way that douchebag is dating her. No way. What? He's I mean, dating like a twenty-year-old stripper. I don't think there'll be any reference to Jerry Curl even in the upcoming sequel. Nope. Oh, I bet there is. Oh, I bet there is. That was such a callback moment for that whole thing. That that's that. Oh, that, I'll wager on that right now. I could see them watering the whole thing down. Who is? You know what? I'll talk about the sequel for one second. The sequel is going to suck, everybody. Do not get your hopes up. Here is why: it fails both. Of my sequel premises, I should have written my fucking senior thesis in film well, classes about this. One, a sequel will not be good if it is more than a decade decade after the original. Never mm-hmm. works. I want you to give me chapter and verse of that happening, and I'm all open to all ears. Number two, and the most important factor, sequels that are the first one being R, the sequel being PG-13, never fucking works again i want you to cite your sources i was watching over the weekend major league two and boy does that one stink save for a few moments look what happened to Die Hard. yeah well oh. Die Hard two is bad three was good four I, I like four i like it it's not that bad it's four the one with uh sam jackson no three is sam jackson four is with timothy olfant where he's a cyber criminal yeah, that wasn't bad. That was rated PG thirteen. Yes, yes, it was. I know. So there's your exception, but it's don't don't get don't get it twisted. That's not the rule. <laughs> Off my podium. Who is the real villain in this film? My answer: the McDowell, the man. The, the, what's his face? Mister McDowell, the owner of McDowell's, the dad. He is the true villain in this film. He is pimping his daughter out to the highest bidder, an heir right. to a hair care company. Oh wait a minute, fuck that. 
Let's go get a prince instead and re-raise you all in. But hold on. When the king offers him $2 million for him to fuck off, he has a change of heart all of a sudden? How does this happen? If you're in for a penny, you're in for a fucking pound. McDowell just said, listen, $5 million, and then I and I promise she'll do butt stuff four nights out of the seven <laughs> every week. If you're going to pimp it out, pimp it out right. Um, go ahead, Lauren. Go sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Louis Anderson gets less to work with in this film than an Irish man's dick. <laughs> Fair. Yes. I feel like he had a bunch of scenes that got cut out. He had to because you could have gotten any – you could have had 12-year-old Kevin Goatee or 12-year-old Kevin Israel in that role, and it would have brought the same amount of yep. comedic value that it did with him there. It, you know, it's funny. I just saw an interview with Eddie because of the sequel, and he was talking about how – you got because you know all the comedians that are going to be in the new one and he goes well back you know back when we did the original i thought i have to get the funniest comedians around so who did i get louis anderson and i was like was he really on the list the of funniest the comedian funniest around comedians even then like, i don't think what, so was sam kinnison busy yeah right <laughs> was dice busy dice i was just gonna say but do you know who's in the haircutting scene yes Cuba Gooding Jr. his first film yep oh yeah, yeah right. can t- he has like no lines he's just um the other thing I was going to say, because you talked about the McDowell dad, but also his dad, James Earl Jones, like, kind of assumes, like, hey, you want to get your dick wet? Is that why you want to go to America? Like, do it. Like, go get your dick wet, come back, marry this one. Meanwhile, like, he supposedly has an intellectual wife who he seems to treat as an equal, you know, or something like it. So I was like, but oh, he, that's your he, he dad. Says, he, even oh. says, I, he even says, I, uh... I just always assumed you were having sex with your your, with your bathers. I know I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. just, just going to jump in there. Exactly. With that, yeah. I think more people are enamored with the idea of Eddie Murphy and Arsenio dressing up as all these characters. But let's be fair. These characters do not hold up. They're very meh, the characters. They don't warrant the love and the quotes like they've received. Be honest. Eddie Murphy perfected the multiple character scene in Nutty Professor. I laughed. <laughs> perfected it in Nutty Professor. I know. I chose that word for a reason. I laughed harder in that one dinner scene than I did with all the characters in this film. A straight up truth. And I'm still stuck on the heir to a company. Mary, he's, he's, she's, he's all about the heir to a company. And a prince chased after a – so he, he uh, the heir to the company and the prince, McKeem, Chased after a fast food owner's daughter. Is this the black, pretty, and pink? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, listen, at least Lisa. Controversial. Thank you. We just did pretty and pink. That's why it's fresh on our minds. <laughs> Terrible film. At least Lisa was A, much more attractive than Molly Ringwald, exponentially more attractive, and B, had a little more redeemable characteristics than Molly Ringwald did in Pretty and Pink. Yeah, what Molly would those Ringwald be? None. What would those be? I mean, she was attractive, but what else did she have? Really? She was compassionate. She cared. I, she cared more. What, what did Molly Ringwald bring to the table? Nothing. Less than nothing. Quirkiness. No. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Quirkiness. Yeah. Are we all going to go get a... Go, did you guys a- touch it all on the set? Uh, maybe I will. In okay. A I'll get there. I think I will. Lisa's sister is a hoe. Mm, oh, that's true. Show. How does Prince Hakeem know how to open a subway door when he's had every door open for him since birth? Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This film is graffiti all over the subway old. Let's just point that yes. out. 
<laughs> he doesn't want to get married in Zamunda at 21. Smart. Neither did I. But he goes to America and bang, immediately wants to get married. Sheesh. Throws at least three awkward one-night stands in there, two stalkers, and a pregnancy scare in there for reality purpose. And then that makes this a real film. Randy Jackson looks like a skunk that came out of a car wash. What's his name? Sexual chocolate? Was that all right? <laughs> and wow, this beloved scene ran on fucking fumes since the word action was uttered by John Landis. I do not get the love affair for that whole scene. Not one bit. If you're going to bring back Randolph and Mortimer, give them more than three combined lines. Don't tease me with great possibilities of lobster and then give me a dirty water dog. What the fuck? You bring, you trot them out, you fly them out for one day to do what? Thanks, Mortimer. We're back. That's it. Fuck you. You can do way better than that. I believe I laughed out loud legitimately three to five times in this film and smirked a handful. If you put this up against the usual suspects when it comes to the greatest comedies ever, Caddyshack, Naked Gun, Beverly Hills Cop, Airplane, Animal House Friday, this film gets obliterated in any of their past. Bill Schultz, I know you're listening. Go get another pencil and prepare to snap it into anger. I never found this film as groundbreaking as everyone has. I don't hate it, but when I came up with this podcast idea... The idea being, of course, we're going to find films that are A, people hate, or B, viciously overrated. This was one of the films that came to my mind as viciously overrated. Now, for Bill and everyone who thinks I'm just being a contrarian for contrarian sakes, I want you to rewatch this right now and then come on social media and tag us. Because I want you to give me 10 lines slash scenes that made you legit LOL. Because if this is one of the greatest comedies that people say or Eddie Murphy's funniest film you'll be able to rattle 10 scenes off or 10 lines off without a blink of an eye we all know that this that films a lot of films are going to have holes after time and many rewatches the problem with this is that the holes are the absence of jokes in a quote highly touted comedy again this is enjoyable but not funny this is the epitome of nostalgia through rose-colored glasses i move that this film be classified as a rom-com than an actual comedy because all the romantic comedy elements are there and as a romantic comedy, it's good. As an actual comedy, it's not. Because I used to let the, what's the best Eddie Murphy argument skewed toward coming to America because I haven't seen it in so long and not offer much of a fight. But now after a recent rewatch being last night, there is not a shadow of a doubt that Beverly Hills Cop rules that category with an iron fist this film is ready kevin israel fine fine it's fine it's an amusing romp it does not pass the remote test and i cannot see myself investing another two hours rewatching this anytime soon six out of ten impressive well done well done kevin yeah kevin israel the floor is yours thank you I'd first like to uh, address some of Lauren's points. Uh, I totally agree with the no chemistry. There is zero chemistry between the two main act, the two main characters, and you never buy into him being that interested in her or her ever coming around to him. And the problem is, storytelling wise, you never see anything happen where suddenly she she falls for him. It right. goes from that it goes from that basketball scene. Right. And then suddenly she says she feels bad and she says, I'm gonna take you out to dinner 
to make up for my boyfriend being an asshole and <laughs> a, a racist asshole. And then suddenly she's in love with him because he gives a bundle of money to two homeless guys. And that's right. what makes her fall in love. There's no more. At least if at least if in the movie she was like her life was in danger when there was the robbery scene with with um, with Nick Fury and he nothing. nothing. <laughs> no, OK, there we go. So. Uh, at least, at least that they didn't throw a cat at him and it scratched his eye, making him wear an eye patch. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. You know, oh, I know, I, I know, that, I know that's your sweet spot. Why? Well, of course, I thought I did it. <laughs> but at least if in that moment he had like grabbed her and he say, and then Eddie Murphy came in and saved him, saved her, and and you would have said, oh, okay, I get it now. There's the savior complex that she loves him. Nothing happened to make to make me believe in the romantic side of this movie. So almost to my esteemed colleague's point. I don't see the romance side in this. I don't even think I think it doesn't work as a rom-com because there's never any chemistry. Think of all the great rom-coms. There's always chemistry. There's always something that brings it around to to, you know, maybe a little less on the comedy side, but there's there's that chemistry. And it's and it's not there and you hit the nail on the head with that. Thank you. I agree. The, <laughs> overall my 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 main problem with this movie is that it plays like a long series of SNL skits. That's yes. really the problem in the storytelling portion of this movie is that I Eddie Murphy and I, I you know what I don't know how involved he was in the writing of it but it all plays out like an SNL skit. If you take each scene individually and just watch them, you'll you'll laugh and you'll you'll you know you'll get the joke, but as a whole storytelling experience, it doesn't work. It just doesn't it doesn't flow. Like Lauren was saying, there's there's a there's a, a lot of inconsistency. There's no cohesion between scene to scene. And the overall concept of the movie, which it feels like it almost takes forever to get to the point, and then suddenly the king's just there, and now we got to wrap it up. It was almost like the director was like, "Shit, we got to finish this. Yeah, get him here, and we're gonna have a couple things happen." And it just it never it never plays out. You and can- what was the what was the urgency? They never really established what the urgency was for those two to get together. Like by the end, you're like, "I don't I don't care if these people get right. together." And he was supposed to have like forty days or something like that. Yeah. I don't think forty days pat and if it did, then the movie's terrible because you never feel that forty no, days. It's like two weeks. Yeah, yeah, it felt like maybe it was there for two weeks. So the, that that was that's a huge, huge problem with it. And and like you said, the the reactions one of the worst things as a stand up comic, seeing other stand up comics do, is when they have to have a cue to tell other comic other to tell the audience that's when you laugh. And a lot of stand-up comics do it. Weaker stand-up comics do it. They'll either like slap their leg or they'll laugh themselves, and then that gets the audience. Then you almost train the audience. This is when you laugh, and it feels this movie feels a lot like that. Like that was a punchline. Laugh now, because see the the dog suddenly turned its head, or right. the guy, or the or the lady made a face, and that's just that's that's forcing comedy. And again, it goes back to the SNL skit. It's almost like they weren't confident in the jokes they were writing and in the scenes they were creating. So they needed to put in the laughter, the audience laughing, because they, they, you didn't have a live audience. So you had to tell the audience that you couldn't see. This is when you're supposed to laugh. And also, much like SNL, it just the jokes would go on a little too long. Mm-hmm. It's like, that was funny. Right. Let's just leave it be. Yeah. Especially the dogs with the with the quick the cuts back and forth <laughs> to the dogs after the back and forth, and, and I think after like the the third or fourth time I go again. I know. Like, it's like again? a crutch. We're gonna beat this fucking you know dead horse. Jesus Christ! It's yeah. I agree. 
as far as as far as specific notes in the movie, uh, I I obviously took a lot. Kevin uh, hit a lot of my points. One thing I'll say is that I will forever be convinced, and you cannot tell me otherwise, that Wakanda and Zamunda are not at least neighbors, mm-hmm. <laughs> not one of them. I think that's the other. actually one of the jokes in the new one coming out. Yeah, I saw, I, I saw I saw something about that, but it just feels like these this this African utopia. Right. Where there's yeah. you know, there's animals running around in the background and everybody's beautiful and everything's good. It just it feels so much the same and I realize it's probably racist to say that. But No, I think you're right. I think that's what it, they yeah. pegged it to be. Um because what African nation in the eighties didn't have like a wildly corrupt government. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Right. In the eighties they were all <laughs> everybody's I'm willing free. to bet a lot of them are still corrupt in twenty twenty one. Willing you to might bet. Be right. Might be right. This the set was also like I don't know, like a nouveau riche house in Beverly Hills, like too many mirrors, yeah. <laughs> too much gold leaf. <laughs> the, Co- uh, the cocaine mirrors on every end table in every room. <laughs> yeah, and then those those necklaces that they had, like James Earl uh, Jones is wearing it in the first scene, and then I guess he takes it with him when he goes to America, and it just looks like. They took the tin of, you know, Danish cookies and like spray painted them gold and strung them together. I was like, it's like a macaroni necklace. They're all. Wow. My parents got those Danish cookies. We still have the tins in my parents' house. Oh, that was, my, that was my dad had them, I think, every morning for breakfast. Oh, yeah. Hilarious. We had them in our house, too. But only for company. When company comes over. <laughs> the, the entire morning scene terrifies me because I. Um, I have a, a, a deep-seated fear of waking up with somebody standing over me. And I even sometimes wake up, and if, if my wife is leaning too close to me, I go, yeah, if I woke up every morning with some guy leaning over me, I would, <laughs> I'd probably have a heart attack by the time I was 25. Like, yeah. that, would never, that, would, that would never pass. I'm also a very shy peer. So if I was in that situation, I would never pee. I'd, I'd die of a bladder infection. Because I could never pee with an entire staff of especially gorgeous women being like, did he, did he pee yet? Did he pee yet? Because we have to get through the blowjob so we can get on break. <laughs> like this is, this morning's lagging a little bit. True. He'd be, the, peeing, he'd be peeing upward with that morning boner he gets every day. <laughs> Arsenio, Arsenio Hall in this is, it's, a, it's amazing to see him. And, and you were right that the chemistry between the two of them was so great. And it's just sad to think how high he was at that. And I mean, career-wise, not yeah, yeah. <laughs> how high he was at that point, and how he's nowhere now. It just shows you what happens to fame. But it's almost sad because people watching this movie now who didn't live through the '80s have no idea. They don't know who he is. A, like a cultural phenomenon. Like he was that that ooh, 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 like that was everywhere. Like if and if you see anybody do it, it's because of him. And I couldn't tell you anything Arsenio Hall did in the past 20 years. And he was so it, – it just shows you how cruel Hollywood is. And uh, I'm sure he was just – he every now and then he probably – every few years he probably called Eddie being like, you know, this would be a great time to do a sequel to that movie. <laughs> I still got that dress that I can put it on. It took him 30 years to finally get Eddie to come around. There is nothing more 80s than the Concorde jet. Wow. Yes. That is, yes. right. that is just was this just the Great pinnacle point. of the eighties. We are gonna build a G.I. Joe looking airplane, charge ten thousand dollars a ticket, so you can go from New York to London in two hours. And and we're not even gonna apologize. That jet did never even made the money back of what it cost to develop no. that jet. 
But that was the 80s. Fuck it. We can do it. Let's do it. That's just so awesome seeing that thing because they finally just said we're never going to pay for this we need to stop flying this thing there's it's never going to be and if you never going to and, and you can actually go in the concord i i think uh, i think i saw it on the uh uh the aircraft carrier in new york city which name i'm alluding uh, intrepid intrepid and you if the it, it was not a nice jet to sit in it was no it was wildly it was uncomfortable yeah, yeah it was awful but it was just that thing being like, we're rich, we're flying supersonic. We're getting there in three hours, like we're going to Miami. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. The old Jewish guy in the barbershop is one of two people. He's either my father or he's a very, he's a very successful liberal senator from Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, listening to yeah. that, that is exactly what my dad sounds like. And it really depresses me because Jews do fall so perfectly especially old jewish men fall so perfectly into that stereotypical it's just like and i grew up in a town where where i was the only jewish kid and so and people would do that accent to me when they realized what jewish was and i would be like i don't i don't get it and then i'd go home and my dad would talk and i'd be like oh they're me (laughs) oh i get it this is this is who i am i have to own this now that's your culture yeah yeah McDowell's was like the GoBots of the fast food industry. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was for Kevin. I appreciate that. <laughs> the GoBots. Yeah, I mean, McDowell had a singular mission, um, you know, besides pimping out his daughters, that yeah. also just seemed like over the top. Like, where did he get McDonald's books from anyways? Yeah, and by the way, McDonald's was huge in the massive, like, yeah, there he wouldn't. That company wouldn't have lasted a month. They would have. There would have been a. They would have been crushed by a corporate legal team. Oh my god! There would have. (laughs) He he wouldn't have been able to breathe under the paperwork they would have thrown at him. That's right. At the basketball game, we all agree that he got a hand job from what seems like an underage girl. (laughs) The sister was definitely like 15, right? Like there was no way she was of age. And he, he fully, she fully wedding crashered him at that. That's, that was the, that was that, if you watch that scene and the wedding crasher hand job scene at the dinner table, it's basically the same. Very similar. Yeah. Yeah, It's it. And it, and it really watching it this time around really made me wonder if the wedding crasher people were aware of that. And if they were aware of it, was it intentional? Because he, they even stands up and go, and both of them stand up and scream something and, and nobody knows exactly why they're standing up. Like it was an identical joke. Uh, but the one in, Coming to America was by, I believe, an underage girl. One of the insults was, you, I want to get this right, you diseased rhino pizzle. Yes. In case anybody's <laughs> wondering, pizzle is penis. It's penis, yeah. And I'm not going to tell you why I know that, but just trust me, it's true. And do you have a dog? I do have a dog. and that Is, is that why you know that? Yeah. I do, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they love them, which is... They love them. Makes things even worse. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I agree with that. The other thing I will say is, not that I'm, you know, such a huge patriot, but, like, it really doesn't paint America very kindly. Like, we're, uh, I mean, if you just take this snapshot, we're a nation of thieving, greedy, (laughs) um, pimp out our daughters, um, steal the shirt off your back, always trying to scam, always trying to get a butt. I mean, there's no one. Dream. Yeah, exactly. Or you're just dumb and hot. 
the uh, this the scene in the subway where he renounces he stands up and he renounces his throne was definitely the least weird thing that happened on that subway car that day. Yeah, yeah. all those people were like, "Man, we just Shut saw up. this guy <laughs> shit on himself." You think renouncing your throne is at all interesting? Yeah, we saw a rat eat a young boy alive. <laughs> and no one asking for candy for their basketball team when they were 26. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something ain't adding up. Come on. And that old lady just got earrings that could buy her a Bentley. Like, she just gives this cute little <laughs> smile. Guess what, lady? You're moving to Miami now. Your life just got a whole lot better. You got those blood emerald earrings. Good for you. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it was so funny because the African costumes are so 80s, you know, like they have these like giant poofy sleeves yeah. and like headbands that everybody wore in the 80s. And I'm like, was that Africa yeah. <laughs> in the 80s or was that America's vision? Yeah, that's exactly. Right. I feel like Paula Abdul may have had something to do with it now that I know that she was a part of this. They were or they probably were... like, is this really what they dress like in Africa? She's, <laughs> she's like, like oh, yeah. She's yeah. Like, <laughs> Or they had a whole they had a whole scene from Trading Places that John Landis obviously did with Eddie Murphy, and then the very end where he dressed up as an African yep. guy, he must have had a shitload of costumes that they must not have used. You go, you know what? We can put these fucking things used. We paid for them eight years ago, six years ago, right? Eight twenty eight. Yeah, six years ago. Let's put them to good use. Get the gorilla yeah. costume again. Why too. not? Yeah. The, one of <clears throat> the end of the movie. One of this is one of my biggest problems with the with the movie, and it goes back to my storytelling issue. How did Lisa get there? How did she – she went from we, we don't share anything in common, we, we can't be together, and she leaves him. And you almost feel like that's how the movie should end. Like you should learn – like, you, sorry, you're a prince, but you can't get everything you want. And now you got to go back and, and deal with that reality. But instead, she just randomly shows up, and it's like, well, what was that whole – thing about we never so like if the if there was a scene where the mother went and talked to her or something, something to bring her to that appears. level again like is this your strong black woman that you were looking for the, the, the that's the flaw with this whole movie is like he's singing about this woman that he needs to find literally doesn't find her she's not that great she's you know but then also she just falls for him i was like wouldn't that have been the best lesson in humanity of what it's like to be a regular person by getting fucking rejected like the rest of us? Right. <laughs> this movie falls into a category which I'm, I think I'm starting to build thanks to this podcast and that the women in the movies turn out to be the actual bad guys. Yeah. She's kind <laughs> of a shitty person and she kind of causes a lot of this problems. Like even when they're at the house, when the king's at the house and she comes out and she's just like, I got to go. And she just leaves like lady if you drama queen and talked <laughs> yeah. to everybody and had to discuss you might have been able to avoid the next 25 minutes of this movie but instead you had to be drama dramatic and run out and cause more problems and but then you just decide to show up like it just it, it never worked for me and that and that the ending really goes to the the point of that the romance was never there for me there was never any chemistry even when he showed even when he first takes her his hood off her, uh, the veil the hood uh you'd never know <laughs> It's not an executioner, it's a wife. You can interpret that many different ways, that hood comment. That's true. That's that's dirty. So when she when he takes the veil off and he sees who it is, he's not he doesn't even smile at first. He smiles in in a second, but he looks at her and he just goes, Oh, it's you. 
And then he looks at his at the parents and smiles. And I feel like that first moment was exactly the the chemistry that existed in this movie. Yeah. Like, it was oh, like, it's you. We're done. Yeah. We filmed this thing. Let's go cash our checks and, <laughs> and make the next movie. Right. Exactly. I agree. <laughs> Let's go run off and make Harlem Nights. Ugh. And by the way, the cabbie uh, is Jake Steinfeld, and he ended up having his own TV show. Body by Jake. Remember. What's that? Was that Body by is Jake? Body by Jake? I, was that him? Was I think it? it no, but I know he had his own sitcom. I think it was called Something Jake. But Jake Steinfeld is the Body by Jake guy. Is he? Oh. Yeah. I thought he had his own sitcom, too. Did I just make that up? Uh, okay, well, then, never mind. It is him. Oh, that, my God. It's Body him? By Jake? Yep. I remember that Body by name. Jake is the cab driver? Yep. Whoa. He didn't, he didn't have his own sitcom, too? He, tra- the, he, trained Harrison, he trained Harrison Ford for Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom and Last Crusade. In the 90s, he had a show called Big Brother Jake in the early 90s. Oh, you're both right. Yes. Yes. Anyway. He's 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 also the uncle of Haley Steinfeld. Oh, really? They're related? Yep. Wow. I do have one question. Who was the girl that Arsenio Hall ends up with? She had big boobs, and she was a bunch of scenes, but they never really said who she was. And I thought maybe it was supposed to be his sister, but I don't think it is. And I was really hoping so. Uh, one of the washers was one, was it one of the washers? She she was she was always in that vicinity when they were there, but she was in a completely different outfit. It was like a bikini. She had big what looked like fake boobs, uh, very attractive. And I thought she was the taste tester. No, was that was a different that who woman? She was? I don't know. I don't, they, know. I just remember they kept showing her, and then Arsenio Hall ends up with her. And I looked at my wife, and I was like, I have no idea who that is. Anyway, oh, right. aside, from, aside from that, I agree with everything that's been said. This movie, this, this, I never was going to die on a hill for this movie anyway. Nope. But this, I always, and I do remember thinking that this movie was hysterical and that there were the different scenes. But as a movie, and especially because over the past year and a half, I've just become so analytical with movies. Thanks, Kev that I just can't enjoy anything for the purity of itself. The movie, the movie doesn't hold up story-wise. Seeing him do the different characters is fun. The, uh, the character, I, and I'm already blanking on the character's name, the character he did in the church. Uh, oh, right. Sexual thing. Chocolate. He, he wasn't even doing a voice for that one. He was yeah. just doing, it was, it was just Eddie Murphy. It, 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 it definitely doesn't hold up. It feels awkward. The jokes definitely are have stagnated over time and probably never even hit that good to begin with the it's 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 really unfortunate it's i think it's still is it's still is a moment that movie is is culturally and sort of nostalgically a moment for a lot of people and even for me but i and i, I agree with kevin i think most of the people who have seen the the trailer for the movie for the sequel it looks like it's going to be absolute dog shit it looks like it's going to be terrible. It's either going to rehash a bunch of the old jokes badly. It's not going to have the edge that this movie wanted to have. It's definitely not going to have naked boobs. And everybody that it's brought in, Tracy Morgan and uh, everybody else, they, they, I guarantee you all their jokes are going to be terrible. The whole movie just feels like it's going to be terrible and awkward. But if anything, it's going to make this movie look better. People are going to look back on this movie and go, oh, you know what? Coming right. Great. Didn't touch the original. Right, right. But look, as an SNL skit, or as just watching individual scenes, it is. It's, yeah. It's if it was like a sitcom, you know, like chopped right. up, yep. then 
But as a movie, as a storytelling experience, you sit down for two hours and and get to know characters and get into the to the moment. It, it this movie it it does not hold up, and I don't think it ever worked. And I will, and you know what? And this is a big thing that Kev always does, and I've never said it. But I came in and I was going to give this movie a six and a half. But thanks to Lawrence, oh, I have I have dropped my score a half a yes. point, and I agree with Kev. It gets a six, and I'll say nice. at least a point of that six is nostalgia. Right, yes, I would agree. You said a, good, a lot of great, a lot of great points about the characters. My whole thing is, with comedies, you don't need characters. Uh, Frank Drebin, Police Squad, is he right. all that deep right. of a character? No. Do I laugh my balls off for ninety minutes without fail? You bet yes. your ass I do. So if a com- the com- that's the best part about comedies, they don't need to have in depth stories or in depth characters. Their goal is to do one thing, and that's make me fucking laugh. Same thing with action films. Blow shit up for an hour and forty five, two hours, and and, and good, whatever. I don't need in depth shit with with uh, with John Kimball and other other Schwarzenegger characters. But this is my biggest problem. It didn't. It was not funny. And again, for those of you who think it's funny, fucking go back, rewatch it, and then rewatch it with ten lines. Ten lines, not too much to ask. Kevin Israel six. I give it a six. And Lauren, you said a four, correct? Yeah. Excellent. Let's do some critics five star reviews. All right. Critics five star reviews. Critics five star reviews. Critics. Five-star reviews. Murphy has dealt audiences the movie equivalent of a royal flush, and he is now clearly Hollywood's ringing king of comedy. Wow. Really? At the time, who was... Louis Anderson around? <laughs> <laughs> Quick, get Paula Poundstone on the horn. Stats. <laughs> silly, silly curse-happy 80s Eddie Murphy vehicle. Not only a great comedic effort, but Eddie Murphy's best romantic film as well. <laughs> so brilliant, it almost makes up for the Golden Child. What a piece of shit that was! I never even saw it. I never terrible, saw it terrible. Eddie Murphy does everything in this movie successfully, which is probably a bad idea because it made him he it made him think he could write and direct Harlem Nights. <laughs> that was also bad. Another movie I didn't see. Yeah, I heard it was bad. It is. Critics, one-star reviews. Critics, one-star reviews. Critics, one-star reviews. <laughs> Non-stop jokes are intended to keep the audience entertained, but many are overwhelmingly Im- immature or simply not that funny. Yeah. This comedy is generally tame and sappy. What we get is homogenized Eddie Murphy, drained of his kinetic comic charm and smiling sass. Sass. That's a, grandma, did, that's a grandmother's word right there. He did have that fake smile throughout the, most of the first half of the movie, and it drove me a little crazy that he was supposed to be like, he was so happy to be in America. He had that big, cheesy smile on. Yeah. yeah right, right. And it just, it served no purpose. and it Nothing could get him down. Right. <laughs> You know where it did work? Borat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There. Starts on a bathroom joke, quickly followed by a gag about private parts, then wanders in search of something equally original for Eddie Murphy to do for another couple of hours. That didn't make a lot of sense, did it? Nope. Okay, we all agree. In Landis's hands, the film doesn't live up even to the meagerest of expectations. Amazon five-star reviews. 
Amazon five star review the ooze. It's time for Amazon five star reviews, five star reviews. You first need to put it into the context of the year that it was made. This is a classic African-American film. I love the beautiful costumes. This is not a children's movie. There are scanty, scanty, I, I, don't, I just copy and paste, Lauren, scanty clad and topless women in some of the first scenes, sexual context situations. The entire movie isn't like that, but the beginning sure is. Signed, someone who hasn't found their husband's 24 boxes of nudie magazines yet. <laughs> Next one. This is so Eddie Murphy in a classic quality imprint of a film. Do not expect high definition. It was fine on my large TV screen, but I'm not all that picky either. Sound slash image were okay using Amazon Prime streaming. I don't watch too many comedies, but this one transcends its genre. This movie is not politically or socially correct. It's not afraid of offending someone. People have grown tired of seeing these films riddled with propaganda that so carefully treads the path of political and social correctness, incessantly spouting the same messages over and over. If we wanted to spend our time watching a host of programming that shoves the same messages down our throats ad infinitum, we would join a cult. But people don't want that. People want old Eddie Murphy and Dave Chappelle. Hmm. I remember back when movies were... Funny and comedy was not censored. Now we censor ourselves. Dystopia happens when everything in life must be politically politically correct or else it is ostracized. Signed, David Arquette. Oh. <laughs> Thought that curveball would work. David but Arquette he did not. weighing in. <laughs> He's not doing anything else right now, is he? Okay. I bought this for my parents, mainly my father, because it tickles his funny bone whenever Eddie Murphy talks. It came in almost pristine condition, minus one small dent, which was literally unnoticeable. Apparently, it was noticeable because you noticed it. Didn't affect DVD whatsoever, I do recommend. <laughs> no, no word about the movie. That's just DVD. One small dent, but unnoticeable, right? Okay, paradox. Amazon, one-star reviews. Amazon One Star Reviews. It's time for Amazon One Star Reviews. Amazon One Star Reviews. This movie has frontal nudity, foul language, and makes people and makes women and people of color, period. It's just not a nice movie, so I would just skip this one. I'm sorry we paid to see it. I stopped viewing after the first part. I couldn't watch it with my mom. Signed, Ron Jeremy. <laughs> it has people of color in it. Wow. When it's based in Africa, how novel of a concept. I have seen it for the first time on Prime, and what a disappointment. It's not just the cliches. Actually, sometimes those are pretty funny. It's so bad on every level. It's just a bunch of seven-year-old jokes, one after the other. Acting is bad. Story? What story? With maybe with all the five-star reviews, I was expecting a decent comedy, but no. If you did not fall in love with this movie when you were a kid, then it's not worth your time now. Wow. Hmm. Very angry. Brutal. A really stupid movie. Lots of bad language and just overall stupid. I had to watch it for a class. Otherwise, I would not have wasted my money on it. A class? I, I want to know, know what, what class. class. Yeah. What class? African studies. <laughs> I call it drunk substitute teacher brings in VCR on a cart. <laughs> African, African studies taught yeah. by Timothy Poindexter. Yeah. 
<laughs> Movie would be great if the nude scenes had been omitted. There was that's your problem was, with it. There was two, like two nude like scenes, one set or two, yeah. And I feel like those nude scenes were like Eddie Murphy demanded. Like he was like, "I'm in pretty, the movie. pretty benign." Yeah. Also, hey John, I need four. I need four titties. Really wish the travel ban had been in place before this guy came to America. Ah, <laughs> you clever son Dang. of a bitch. Don't waste your time on Amazon five-star reviews. Waste your time on E! doing red carpet stories. <laughs> and this last one is for my friend Kevin Israel. Uh, it's going to be about money. The SD version was very pixely. The dance sequence in the beginning is ruined. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin loves when they break down how much they spend to watch this. The SD, ver- the SD version says to me that you're going through foreclosure of your home. That's what I refuse to pay the extra dollar for HD. <laughs> HD? Hawk Tui, like the Iron Sheik. Kevin Israel, did Lauren Savan gut the sacred cow? She did. Yeah. Thank you. It was a a pleasure. This was a big one, and people are going to be really mad at us. I was nervous. I I really hope we do get into the algorithm with this because we're just going to get so much hate thrown at us. Lauren, I hope your Twitter blows up with people screaming that you hate this movie. Can't wait. (laughs) I can't wait to be called a racist. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. We had another white girl do the film Get Out, so that might take off you. (laughs) Uh, We are getting canceled next week. (laughs) So, Lauren Savon, you have done something that Bill Schultz has yet to do, and that is indeed gut the sacred cow i can hear the shivers going up his fucking butthole right now <laughs> i feel like i feel gaping like gaping butthole i feel like he's just going to appear in our zoom chat it's just somehow i know gonna crash a red face and screaming <laughs> he's gonna hold a cigarette in one hand and an amstel in the other with a leg lamp in the background going you are a bunch of fucking cunts waving his fist that's yeah. true. Lauren Savan, tell the good folks where we can find you. Not your oh, friend. I'm on Twitter. I'm Lauren Savan. I'm on Instagram. I'm Idiot Savan. Uh, I'm on YouTube, I guess. Um, I'm on this other platform where I just send out my stuff on social media. So that's really all you need to know. Kevin Israel, how about yourself? Where can the good folks uh, find you? KevinIsrael.com for comedy dates that trickle in slowly but surely as we get back to normality in this crazy side of ours you get my album the struggle is real uh everywhere you get audio and more importantly leave us a five-star re- review and a, a rating and a good review just a couple sentences it's important it helps us we're seeing our numbers really bounce up people are getting excited about us they're going through our library and it's only because of the people who decide to leave us a review it's an it's the least you can do for us after Kevin and I slave over a hot stove, creating <laughs> this comedy genius that is gutting the sacred cow. So go on your platform of choice and leave us a review and do do us a favor. Slaving over that hot stove like McDowell turns hamburgers over. With That's right. <laughs> Call back. Well done. Thank you, sir. KevinGoTee.com, G-O-O-T-E-E.com for dates and whatever shenanigans are afoot. GuttingTheSacredCow.com every day for blog articles. And whatnot. And do you guys think we should do Patreon? Shout us out about Patreon. I'm sorry. Cameo, where we would 
reach out to one of your friends or loved ones and, and make fun of their movie taste or commend them or something. If you think so, shout us out and say, we should, we'd like to have you do a cameo. Thought about doing that. Who knows? The, uh, this cow is ripe for milking other places. At GTSC Podcast, at Kevin Goatee, all that good stuff. Lauren Savon, you are a delight. Thank a you. Treasure, and we enjoyed having you. And we love Thanks to for have having you. me, guys. Appreciate it. Love to have you on a future episode as well. Maybe well, even we'll see how this sequel goes. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> even we could have her and Bill Schultz do a film together, Kevin Israel. That could be and, I, and you know what? And I will say somehow only Lauren got that sacred cow. <laughs> Just to drive him crazy. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Lauren, thanks again. We thanks will again, see you guys. Later. Take care. Bye, everybody. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.